Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast. I'm Rick. I'm Julia. And today we are watching 2006's Happy Feet. Yay! So the original plan for this week was to watch 1987's Kangaroo. But I had a really hard time finding a copy of that. And so we were going to default to 1952's production of Kangaroo. But then Julia brought up the point that Happy Feet is directed by George Miller, and that is a direct line of connection from the Mad Max series to this CGI dancing penguins movie, which admittedly I've never seen before. So okay, this is fresh for me. Once I knew that you had never seen it, I'm like, okay, it has to it has to be on our list sometime. <laughs> and an opening came up. I'm like, alright, we're doing this. Because it's a fun movie. So, like I said, it's directed by George Miller. It's produced by Bill Miller, George's brother, George himself, uh, Doug Mitchell. Written by Warren Coleman, John Coley, George Miller, and Judy Morris. So, George Miller does triple duty here. It stars Elijah Wood, Robin Williams, Brittany Murphy, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Hugo Weaving, Anthony LaPaglia, Magda Zubansky. And Steve Irwin. Um, let's see. Music was by John Powell and Gia Farrell. Cinematography, David Pierce. Produced by Animal Logic, Kennedy Miller Productions, Kingdom Feature Productions, Village Roadshow. It was released in North America in November 2006, Australia, December 2006, and made $384.3 million on a $100 million budget. So, not bad. Not bad at all. I was a little curious as to why George Miller would make a dancing penguin movie. So, luckily for me, Wikipedia has a little production section on the entry for the movie. And the first paragraph talks about how when George Miller was working on Mad Max 2, he was talking to a uh, cameraman whose father was part of the Shackleton Expeditions. And this cameraman was talking about how Antarctica is very similar to the wasteland in that it's expansive and barren and that it's yeah I just see that. spectacular. And so this idea of doing a movie in Antarctica stuck with George Miller. And so then he saw things like BBC's Life in the Freezer documentary and things just started to, you know, come together as he made this idea. So, according to this, the production of Happy Feet was supposed to begin sometime after the completion of the fourth Mad Max movie because, you know, this was some years ago, but Happy Feet actually got pushed up in the production roster because mm -hmm. of complications with, you know, where they wanted to film in Africa. So, so yeah, I'm not quite sure what to expect out of this. There's a couple of things that mention that this is kind of like a jukebox musical, which you know, I think a lot of people look down on, but at the same time, they're also fun. I see it as fun. I, I don't look down on this movie at all. I, I think I've seen it twice. It's it's an enjoyable movie. I think you're going to have a good time. All right. Should we get into it? Yeah. So I'm going to play the trailer for everybody. I know I like to mention that. So you'll hear the trailer. We're going to watch the movie and then we'll uh, come back during the end credits like we've been doing.
every banquet has a song. Don't push me because I am close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. What you doing with your feet? I thought it was kind of cute. But it just ain't panther, okay? For all I say, you must stop this freaking us with the feet. But Paul, you mumble happy feet must go. If she leave him now, she take away the biggest part of him. Ooh, don't beg it, please, don't. Please, guys. I'm in Paris. What's he doing? He's singing. He's not singing. That, that's not singing. Yeah, I heard an animal once do that, but then they rolled him over. He was dead. Each morning I get up and die. Can't Come here, sausage. I take you with ketchup. Bring it. Bring it on. Boy, look at that. What? Ah! Gracias. Uh, I, mm, I, mm, I. <laughs> I see what you mean when people say it's a jukebox musical. Like, it's just all the most popular music. I, I don't even know what to say about this movie. Um... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm literally speechless about what to say about this movie. I don't even know what to think of it. It's a bit um like the ending of Greece, where you have these two parties who aren't compatible, and instead of one of them changing who they are for the other, the other one changes who they are for the one. Like, nobody should have to change who they are. That's not even it. It's just... Okay, first and foremost, it's an hour and 39 minutes, an hour 40 minutes. Yeah. It felt so much longer. Yeah. It did feel a little long. Like, yeah, at, I'll, at, just, I'll give you that. At the risk of making a terrible pun, sometimes the pace just felt glacial. <laughs> like, visually, it was spectacular. If you... Look at the landscapes and you look at the particle effects and all of the sweeping establishing shots. They were gorgeous. The penguins starting to look a little dated. This movie was from like 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. What year was it put out? 2006. It's right up there on the screen. All right. But yeah, I'm not I'm not quite sure what to like make of this cuz it just kind of kept going like 
Okay, there were parts of it that felt really good. The the parts with a lot of kinetic energy were fun to watch, but it just seemed to go sequence after sequence after sequence, and it just kept going. And there were multiple times during this movie where I wanted to, like, tap the pause button just to see how much time was left. Yeah. Because it just felt long, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm genuinely conflicted about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's a kid's movie, obviously, designed for children. But as I'm thinking about it, it's like it's, it's hard to imagine it keeping a child's attention for that long. I agree. I I wonder how this went over with children. Well, we'll have to get into the the reviews after we go through the plot because we always go through the plot. So let's let's touch on that. Okay. So the premise of this movie is that Emperor Penguins specifically mate by singing. And it's not like how a regular bird sings. It's like a popular song. And so you start off with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman as the two main character penguins in the beginning sequence. Hugh Jackman is kind of an Elvis ripoff. And Nicole Kidman is just like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what even style to attribute to her. Right. I can't stand how she did the voice. She is it's so like breathy. Yeah. Like, it's like It's like the stereotypical woman that you would think of pairing with Elvis. I was kind of distressed by how shapely they made the female penguins in this movie. Yeah, they're quite busty. Like, and I mean, it's like taking Jessica Rabbit and like making her arms flippers and her shortening up her legs by like 90%. Yeah. Like it was really just strange to see. And the voice, like you said, that she put on, it was just, I don't even know, like, it's another thing where I don't even know what to think of it. And, I mean, Hugh Jackman did a good enough Elvis impression. I wouldn't say that he'd make it at a wedding chapel in Vegas, but you could definitely tell the inspiration for that character. So, Memphis, who is Hugh Jackman, and Norma Jean, who is Nicole Kidman, they sing the song to each other, and they make an egg. And as is the way with Emperor Penguins, the females go off to hunt fish, and the males incubate the eggs. So there's a blizzard happening, and Memphis drops the egg, and it kind of rolls off into the cold, and he grabs it and brings it back into the group. And by the time that hatching season begins, Memphis's egg is like one of the last ones to hatch. And the resulting chick has this thing about dancing. So this is Mumble, played by Elijah Wood. Although we don't really hear him... Yeah, it's not Elijah Wood... For a little while. Yeah. It's some kid. It's it's some other child. So they have this beginning conflict that Mumble is a dancer and Mumble is not a singer. And they try and teach him the traditional way and that doesn't work out. And so they try and bring in a specialized teacher and she doesn't work out. And, I mean, it's cute enough. I mean, there's something about baby penguins oh, that they are were adorable. inherently adorable. Yes. Do you think maybe this part of the film could have been tightened up and you would have felt better about the whole thing? Okay, knowing nothing about the film going into it, I thought him being a tiny penguin was like most of the movie. I thought it was the whole thing that he was a penguin that danced instead of sung, and so the whole thing was him learning how to dance better 
and teaching everybody how dance is cool. And then, you know, that's the story. It's a fun kids movie. They dance to a bunch of musical numbers and then boom, you're done. Bob's your uncle. Yeah. That is so not what this movie is. No. This movie is so much more than that. Yes. I mean... There are two separate but intertwined storylines tackling large social issues. Yeah. yeah. And that's a lot to tackle. It is a lot. So the first storyline is obviously Mumble is a dancer in a community of penguins that mates by singing. Yes. And very... Right away, they point out... That he won't be able to mate if he can't sing. Yeah. So that's, and of course, they're penguins. That's their drive is to mate. Yeah. Eat and mate. That's yeah. the two that's animal what they drives. Do. So Mumble goes off alone to dance. And that's where we get introduced to this secondary storyline. The idea of aliens. Because a bunch of predatory birds swoop down on him. Um, they're called skua. And one of the skua has got this yellow band around his leg. And it's, you know, one of those tracking bands that scientists put on birds. And so you get introduced to this idea of aliens because, you know, that's what birds call humans. They're aliens. So that kind of sets up for later in the movie what's going to happen. Because we fast forward from there to an adult, more or less, an adult mumble. It's there. It's the penguin's graduation day. Yeah. So all which, of the... Which he's been excluded from. Yeah. And he hasn't actually... Because he can't sing. He doesn't finish molting either. No, I think that's two reasons. One, because his egg was damaged. And it, I remember from uh, March of the Penguin, where they talk about, like, it's it's about Emperor, Emperor Penguins, and they talk about, like, their whole thing about the women going off and the men incubating the egg. If you, if they, if they drop those eggs... It is insanely cold. It does damage to the egg very quickly. So I think, you know, his delay in development is because of him being dropped and yeah. being exposed to the cold. Uh, it also serves to tell him apart from all the other penguins. That it does. It's so. very easy to pick out Mumble because he looks different. And he actually has like a tuxedo print yeah, he's got a bow tie. Oh, bow tie, and then he's got little, like, buttons for spats going down his legs. Yes. Uh, I like that detail. Like, just the little the little buttons, like, on his ankles. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mumble is initially excluded from, you know, the go out and hunt party thing that the juveniles are going off, but he just follows after them anyway. Yeah, he's... Like, he's got ambition. He does, and he has a spirit that he doesn't let be dampened by everybody else's attitudes. Yeah. Which is good, because he needs that. Yeah. And so they all go to the edge of this giant cliff, and these are all the regular juveniles, and they're anxious about diving, and then Mumble just pratfalls his way through the group and flies off the cliff into the ocean, and then everyone follows suit. And that's kind of where we get to see Mumble and this other pe female penguin, Gloria, and they have some sort of special connection and whatnot. But it's really highlighted at this point that there is such a shortage of fish. Like, it was alluded yes. to earlier, but this is where it really comes to a head. Yeah, they see a school of, I don't know, maybe 20 fish, and they <laughs> yeah. all go berserk. Yeah. So Mumble goes above and beyond to present Gloria with a fish. Mm -hmm. And she's she's politely refusing the fish. Like, no, no, you caught the fish, it's your fish. And he goes through quite a bit to keep the fish. And at the end, he does a funny little thing. He's like, just take the damn fish. Yeah. <laughs> And she's like, okay. So later that night, I'm assuming. Yeah. It might be like days from now. I don't know. It was day. Now it's night. 
And all of these juvenile penguins are gathered up on this iceberg, and they're singing a song, and poor Mumble, like, he wants to participate. Yeah, he feels the same thing that they feel. But every time he opens up his beak, it's just this horrible squawking sound that we typically associate with emperor penguins because we don't speak penguin yeah (laughs) so dumb anyway so all of the other penguins say hey you're awful get out of the group and so he's left alone floating on this little iceberg and that leaves him vulnerable to probably the most ferocious looking seal you will ever see yeah like okay it was really quite scary like think of a child seeing that scene yeah that was that was scary yeah um, seals are, to us as humans, really dopey. Yeah, they're they're kind of lame. You know, they're just kind of torpedo-shaped blubber with fins and teeth and whatnot. And they're really ineffective at doing most things out of the water. Right. Which is a plot point later after the initial attack scene. But if you ask me, sea lions are way better than seals. Yeah. And that's always a thing that I've held to. And if... Mumble had been attacked by a sea lion, he would have been dead meat. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there would have been no escape. But because it's a seal, you know, we're able to have the rest of the movie. But (laughs) there is a pretty intense chase scene where this leopard seal, as it turns out, it's a leopard seal, is trying to eat Mumble. And so he is running away through the ice and the craggy bits and whatnot. And he eventually bursts out of the ice, lands on a surface in the... The leopard seal bursts out of the water, lands on the ice, and cannot move because yeah. it's a seal, and seals he are dumb. He can do he can like lunge forward, and he goes like a foot and a half. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he's just flopping around. Yeah, and it's quite it's comical, and that's where we meet the group of what kind of penguins? They are Adelie penguins. Yep, they the are Latino penguins. They are called the Amigos, and there's five of them. And yep. they, I don't know why, I'll, all of a sudden they have Spanish accents, but, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> and so their introduction is pretty great because they get introduced making fun of the leopard seal. Yes. And anyone that makes fun of seals is okay in my book because seals are dumb. <laughs> This scene is definitely somewhere where they could have tightened up, though. Oh, absolutely. It went on for a very long time. Yeah, because the amigos are... The the, the amount of time they spend taunting this seal. And the seal is like, oh, I'm going to eat you guys. And then he can't get there fast enough. And it it just... It takes a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, They could have taken out probably two or three minutes. Oh, easily. Um, So these penguins, they like the fact that Mumble dances. Yes. Because Adelie penguins are nest builders. And they they build up the rocks of their nest to attract mates. But this specific group of penguins, they have no interest in that. So they're not really getting any. But they like the fact that he dances. And so they learn a few dances from him. He learns confidence from them. They all work together. But as they go, somehow an avalanche starts... I don't quite remember how. Um, I know there's at least one time where they cause an avalanche, but I don't remember if it's this time. Is it just that they're sliding or something like that? I think because, they're just sliding. Because that's cause, their fastest way of getting around is sliding on their bellies. They cause an avalanche, and this causes a big chunk of the iceberg to break off. And sitting on that chunk of iceberg is an excavator, like a big yes. tracked excavator yes and so this is really mumble's first exposure to human-made equipment yes 
And it almost kills him. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he comes in close contact with this thing. And so he is now incredibly intrigued by the existence of something like this. And so he now has this drive to figure it out. And so the Amigos say, oh, well, if you want an answer, you go talk to Lovelace, who is a rockhopper penguin. So they take a pebble as tribute, and they jump in line, and they go talk to Lovelace, and he's this rockhopper penguin with this six-pack ring around his neck as his, like, talisman of enlightenment or something like that. And they start asking about aliens. And the character of Lovelace is our narrator throughout this whole movie. Yes. And... Kind of feel like it was an excuse to have Robin Williams voice more than one character. Yes. Because he's Ramon of the Amigos and he's Lovelace, the yes. Rockhopper Penguin. Which I'm cool with him being two characters, um, but Lovelace, at, not as the narrator, as the character, had plenty of lines and mm. had plenty of stuff to do and plenty of opportunity to show his Robin Williamness. So not sure why he was... Additionally, the narrator. Yeah. Although I had nothing against him being the narrator. Yeah. I'm fine with that. The addition of love. I feel like it's just, there are a lot of characters in this movie. A lot. Yeah. Of characters in this movie. Um, While we're in the introduction to Lovelace part, something that I really appreciated about Mumble is... He immediately makes the connection that the bird he was talking to as a child refer to them as aliens, and Lovelace refers to them as divine something. Like divine, divine beings Like divine beings. Like uh, Mumble immediately recognizes that those are the same people. Yeah. And he sees a different framework that two different people with two different experiences put that in, and immediately switches over. He doesn't ask Lovelace about aliens. He asks Lovelace about divine beings and where did you meet them and, and, and what were your interactions with them. Yeah. I appreciate that he was smart enough to see that those are the same people. I was say, he's a clever boy. He is. For sure. And what comes next after they leave Lovelace and go back to the regular Emperor Penguins, yes. that's a pretty clever thing that him and Robin Williams' amigo character Ramon mm -hmm. think up. Was there something you wanted to say before we leave Lovelace? The love, the introductory Lovelace scene could have also been tightened up. Oh yeah, there's a okay. Pretty much every scene in this movie just could have been tightened up. Yeah, yeah. I think they were shooting for that hour forty eight minute runtime, and you know, just they padded. <laughs> <laughs> they padded the movie. Um. So we go back to the Emperor Penguins, mm -hmm. and they do a... Um, I know this from Roxanne, the movie, but it's from Shakespeare, right? This kind of setup? You mean the Cyrano de Bergerac move? Yes. Is that Shakespeare or is it somebody else? I'm, um. not, I'm not familiar with the original source. I know it from the movie Roxanne. Cyrano de Bergerac is a play written in 1897 by Edmund Rostand. Although it will, oh, okay. Ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. Everything that's, you know, old and poetic, I just assume it's Shakespeare. Yeah, although there was a real Cyrano de Bergerac, the play is a fictionalization of his life that follows the broad outlines of it. So the idea of Cyrano de Bergerac is that he is an incredibly ugly person, and to go along with his ugliness, he has this amazing penchant for beautiful words. Yes. And so, as a way to woo someone... He uses a handsome person to say his words for him. And you say you recognize this technique from Roxanne. I recognize it from Singing in the Rain. Ah. Because it's the exact maneuver that they use. It is. When they introduce the talking pictures. Yes. So you have Which one is person the impetus lip for the entire movie. Yeah. You have one person lip sync while the other person speaks into a microphone elsewhere on set. Yeah. So 
Mumble is lip syncing while Ramon is behind him singing this Spanish language version of My Way. And uh, Gloria is not fooled. Mm -hmm. And once she, you know, once once it's laid out what Mumble did, what the setup was, she's she's treating it like he did something horrid. Yeah. And I disagree. Just because he can't sing doesn't mean he doesn't have a heart song. Just because he can't sing it doesn't mean he doesn't feel things in his heart. So having somebody else sing a song that he that he wants to sing but can't, what's wrong with that? I think what's wrong with that is that multiple times before she found out the truth, she asked, is this you singing? And that's he said, true. yes, because it is. Because he lied. When it wasn't. Uh, that's true. He did. He lied. Yeah. So I think that's where he went wrong. But despite that, as she's walking away, he starts dancing. And his dancing kind of lines up with her song. Her heart song ends up being Boogie Wonderland, which, how appropriate that the dancing penguin and the penguin who sings Boogie Wonderland would be compatible. Right. So they all start dancing together, and then that inspires the other penguins around them to start dancing, and the elder penguins are just appalled that this would be happening. Like, they are so set in their ways and whatnot that how dare they dance. And they are so outraged that they actually just exile Mumble. Like, they kick him out of the, yes. the group. And they they do so by accusing him of being the cause of the lack of fish. Yeah. Which, they seriously, they just pull that out of their butts. Yeah. Which, Mumble calls them on. He Again, he's intelligent. Seems to be more intelligent than a lot of the other ones. Um and he's like, but me dancing has absolutely nothing to do with fish. I don't see the connection. I don't see how you can blame that on me and use that as motivation to exile me. And they have set up this, like, council of elders who who have this some kind of deity. The Gwyn. The Gwyn. Um, and that's just, it's, they use faulty logic to make these connections to get rid of... Mumble, yeah. forgot his name. <laughs> and it's so, it's just so frustrating to watch them work. Mm. Like, it's just so frustrating. What's frustrating about it is that Mumble is shamed by his community and accosted for his style of dance like three times in the movie. They just keep retreading it over and over. They and do. Over. Like, we've already learned the lesson that penguins sing, they don't dance. Yeah. If you don't sing, you are not a proper penguin. If you dance, you are not a proper penguin. We have been over this. We get it. Yeah. And I, I think we could have gone over it, you know, once to introduce the idea and once to exile him. And that's it. That's all we needed. We didn't need it. They didn't need to keep hammering it home. Yeah. Which they do. Yes. So... Mumble is like, well, you know, you can't exile me if I just leave. And so he is going to go off and he is going to find the aliens and he is going to make them give all of the fish back. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, I was just like, thinking. You made a face like you were going to uh, go more than that. Yeah, I was thinking off topic. Cutting back a little bit. When it's first discovered when he's a baby, like newly hatched, that he's a dancer, not a singer, his parents' concern is that he's never going to find a mate. Well, he did. He pretty much, like, mated, not mated, mated, but joined with Gloria. That 
like ritual of joining your songs and in their case joining your dance and your song that is a mating ritual they have now like bonded yeah and he successfully did that so their major concern his his as his parents has been cleared so gloria is played by Brittany murphy by the way Yes. Um, and the really mean penguin that throws Mumble out is Hugo Weaving. Oh, that okay. That really old, bent yeah. penguin. Hugo Weaving, does he have a Scottish accent? Was that his Scottish accent, or was he putting that on? One moment. It's so hard to tell these days, because... You know, actors are good at accents for the most part, and they do all sorts of different things where they do all sorts of different voices and accents that it's really hard to tell nowadays what their actual accent is, what they actually sound like. Hugo Weaving is a Nigerian-born English-Australian film and stage actor. Okay. Well, Scottish isn't his natural accent. Nope. I don't know what is, but it's not Scottish. Nope, but... It's probably just British. Yeah, he resides in Sydney. Okay, so it's probably British with a twinge of Australian. Probably. Yeah, I don't know. I'm making assumptions. Honestly, it's hard to think of Hugo Hugo Weaving without him being either Agent Smith, which has just the most monotone accent, or Elrond, who is elvish you know it's that that fantasy British. Anyway, right? I was gonna say that's British. Okay, back to the movie. Where were we? So, Uh, so Mumble leaves. And he goes back to the... So Mumble leaves and he goes back to Lovelace, the rockhopper penguin, because he wants to find the aliens. And when he gets back to Lovelace, Lovelace has this, like I said, a six-pack plastic ring around his neck. And it's gotten too tight for him to, like, function. Yeah, he he can't talk anymore. Um, He can, like, barely breathe and move and... It's very uncomfortable to watch him yeah. for a good portion of the movie. And so Mumble basically says, come with me. We're going to go find these people. Maybe they can take that off of you. Yeah. Type of thing. And so the Amigos, Lovelace and Mumble, they go and they trek out from where the Rockhopper Penguin was to eventually reach where the elephant seals are. And it's this big, long travel sequence going through landscapes and whatnot. And then they finally reach the elephant seals who just serve as a landmark. They don't really do much else. I did find it interesting that the elephant seals had the Australian accents. Yes. No other characters had Australian accents. Right. Definitely, it's very clear that groups of animals represent different ethnicities around the world. Yeah. The the elephant seals are are the Australians. The small penguins, the Abba something, Abel... The Adelie. Adelie penguins are Latinos, South American. Um, the emperor penguins are, I would say, European in general. They're, really? I would say they're just white. Because, yeah, that, that seems right. Yeah. They're I, just they're like generic, generic white. Yeah. There's really, I don't know. And uh, the um, the uh, leopard seal, he had an accent. Was it like Russian? Honestly, I didn't. I don't remember. I didn't catch it. It was quick. He only said like two lines, but he did have an accent. Yeah. But the important thing actually in this journey to find the aliens happens after the elephant seals because Gloria catches up with them. And Gloria is like, hey, you responded to my heart song. We should totally be bonded. Right. And like you left. I'm supposed to go with you. Yeah. Like we're bonded. But they never, they don't make that clear. And I'm kind of disappointed because this bonding is a large part of their culture. Yeah. Like, it's the point of their culture. And they bonded. And 
that doesn't seem to have any bearing. She yeah. just wants to be with him, but she never says, hey, we're supposed to be together now. And then we have this scene where Mumble is like trying to send her away and he's doing it in the most cruel way possible. Very stereotypical. I found I and like found he does it very unenjoyable. He does it he does it by like insulting her and ridiculing her right. and like all the things that he does the things that men do when they're disrespecting women. Like, you know, stereotypically, very generically. But, like, he puts her down and he argues with her and he makes, he forces her to make the decision to leave, even though he's the one that wants her to leave. Yeah. Like, he just, he treats her very poorly. Yeah. And she leaves. And she leaves and it works. Everything he does works and she leaves. And I was very annoyed by that. Yeah. Like, why, I just wish that he... Like, why have her show up again? Right. What point did it serve in the story? Okay, it showed us that they are bonded. Okay, but you didn't use that as a point. It, and yeah, it served no purpose. And why not just be honest? Why not say, hey, I'm going to go do something really dangerous and I care for you and I don't want you to get hurt. Please go back. Yeah. That probably wouldn't have worked. She probably would have said, I don't care. I want to face it together because that's what you do when you are a bonded pair is you face things together. It's part of being bonded. But that's a human thing. Yeah. Not a penguin thing. So whatever. So after he sends away Gloria, they continue on and they reach something called the Forbidden Shore, which is a human outpost. Yeah. And it's largely abandoned, I think, because everything seems very untouched. Yes, everything seems very rusty and, yeah, abandoned. It's very gloomy, very ominous. Yeah, dirty. Kind of scary, actually. Yes. Just at how much unknown there is. Yeah, I like that we we saw a human outpost genuinely from an animal's point of view. Yeah. Where, even if it wasn't abandoned, people don't hang out outside. They're inside, you know, doing their thing. They're yeah. not hanging out outside because they're not prepared to be in that kind of temperature. So from an animal's point of view, it looks abandoned. Mm -hmm. So it's here that we get our next big action sequence because the penguins are attacked by a pair of killer whales. Mm -hmm. and Which I felt was random. Yeah, it was... Uh, an excuse for another action scene. Yep. And it only, it it did serve a purpose. It got the plastic thingy off of Lovelace's neck. Yeah. One thing that I was actually a little disappointed by this scene, because these two whales, they spend a lot of these time, a lot of this time trying to get the penguins into the water, and then they're batting the penguins right. around. They're like and toying they're, with them. Yeah, they're playing with their food. And at one point, they actually have the penguins in their mouths, and they spit them out. To keep to, like, playing. play with them. And eventually, the penguins get on land. They do the same thing that they did with the leopard seal. Uh-huh. And the two killer whales are flopped up on land. And I was expecting the killer whales to start talking like the leopard seal did. Yes. Because the leopard seal, because he was up there and he was like, oh, I'm going to get you. All the other animals get, talk. Get back here and get in my mouth. And these two whales are just kind of flopped up on the water and they go, then just yeah. go back and in. And it's been demonstrated to us that they are intelligent. Yeah. By playing with their food. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm disappointed that they didn't talk. Of course, it would have been a, a repeat of the leopard seal scene. Yeah. But then again, the whole thing of them getting attacked by a predator was a repeat to begin with. Yeah. It, is, it just seemed, you know, excessive. Yeah. Padding it did. is the word I I'm mean, looking for. There was some accuracy there that penguins are pretty low on the food chain and they have a lot of predators. Yeah. And by going out into the world, exploring places that are unknown, they are going to meet predators. Yeah. So 
after they meet the killer whales, they continue on and they eventually find human fishing boats, like the huge fishing boats. Mm-hmm. And they separate. Yep, uh, because Mumble wants Mumble's to follow them. Mumble's the only them. one that ends up at the fishing boat. I can't remember yeah, how. Yeah, Mumble one... wants to follow them. The rest of them don't. Yeah. And so he to- go- turns to the rest of them and says, you know. Go back to my family, let That's them know right. what I did, and then he jumps jump. off a cliff. and Like a, a, a higher jump than we have seen. Yeah. This is like hun- seemingly hundreds of feet tall, and he's falling for a long like, time. Yeah, it was one of those classic things like, I'm still falling. Yeah, and then he gets to the bottom, and the rest of the penguins are like, well, that was a waste, all this away, and he just jumped off the cliff and killed himself. Yeah. Movie's over, I guess, but no, he survives, and he starts swimming after the boats. And he gets up to the boats and he sees these giant nets full of fish and he latches onto the bottom of one of the nets and he eventually gets pulled off and thrown back into the water. Yeah. But he starts just doggedly pursuing these fishing boats and he ends up washed ashore in, I guess, Australia. That's what the the Wikipedia thing says. Okay. Yeah, I figured it was either Australia or um, like uh, the southern tip of Africa. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So he washes ashore, I guess, in Australia, and then the next thing he knows, he wakes up in, like, an aquarium or something like that in Mm -hmm. the penguin exhibit for this, you know, aquarium. And so he starts to go crazy because the walls are painted and there's glass everywhere. Yeah, he keeps bumping into the walls, but there's plenty of fish. There's plenty of fish. He, like, starts hallucinating about Mm -hmm. Gloria and the rest of his family. Yeah. This... I had feelings about zoos and aquariums before I ever watched this movie, but this movie definitely like solidified. I I don't like zoos. I don't like aquariums. I know that there are arguments to be made for keeping animals safe that can't be in the wild. I just think that animals are not a spectator sport. Yeah. And that I that idea from the animal's point of view is very driven home here. Kind of dramatically. Yeah. Like the first penguin he he meets like just calls him Dave. Yes. And which is funny, but it's disturbing. Yeah, cuz after a while like even his hallucinations are like, you know, "Hey Dave." It's like and he's literally just losing his mind. Yes. And he ends up just standing against the wall staring at his feet. Yeah. Just in a daze. And I actually don't really like this moment. I think it's too simple. Where the girl is tapping on the window in like a rhythm. This little girl walks up and starts tapping on the glass. Right. And one reason I don't like it is, how would you feel if somebody came up to your home and just started tapping on the window? Like, that's an incredibly rude and dehumanizing thing to do. Well, first of all, they're penguins. Second of all, it's not his home. He's in prison. Right. But that doesn't ju- that doesn't make it okay to walk up and tap on the glass. Well, that's why there are signs that say don't tap on the glass. This child is rude. Yes, this child is rude. This is a rude, rude child. Yes. But... This is a rude child. And I don't like how quick he is to pull himself out of his depression because a rude child tap on the glass. Well, It's too simple a solution for a very complex problem. Setting aside the fact that the child should have been attended to by their parents so that she didn't tap on every glass surface she found. Yeah. The thing is... Reminds me of Darla. It introduces this idea of a rhythm that he can dance yes. to. I wish... It's not the fact that she is tapping on the glasses, that she is tapping in a in rhythm. In a rhythm. You know what would have been wonderful? If that rhythm had come... Naturally in some way. If some natural part of the environment 
had presented some sort of rhythm and he hears the rhythm he starts to feel that rhythm not something artificial like this rude little girl except that this little girl introducing the rhythm and he responds to rhythm it is something that he has inanely and so the fact that she presents him with a rhythm is a connection that he makes with humans it's the reason he is so trusting of humans this is more than just an annoying kid this is the first instance of him actually being able to connect with yes. aliens. And this is how, that's how he communicates with them. So he starts dancing. Yeah. And of course, people go out of their friggin' minds. Oh, because you st- yeah. if an animal starts dancing, then hold the phone, stop the presses. Like, there are people wildly shouting into their cell phones. Like, come down and see this dancing penguin. Yes. Now, one thing that they interestingly did in this movie is they used real humans. Yes. They mixed in CGI, non-CGI, and I, I thought they did it pretty seamlessly. Yeah. It, it, I wasn't, like, jarred by, oh, okay, we're, we're real people now. And I am so glad they used real people, because CGI people right. don't always work. No. Like, you can CGI a penguin and, and make it work. You can't always CGI a person. Right. For sure. Because we don't, we don't experience the Uncanny Valley with animals, nope. right? It's just humans. It's just humans. Yeah. So this dancing penguin... Phenomenon. ...becomes a phenomenon, and then, like nothing, we instantly flash back to the Antarctic, and Mumble's there. Yeah. With almost no pretense of what's going on. And so he waddles up to the other penguins and starts talking to them. Oh, hey, I'm back. And well, I met the I met the I met the aliens and he's got this like antenna sticking off his back. Yeah, and that's the first indication that something's up. Yeah. Well, I disagree with that. When he turns up, do you, I got the sense that he was like brainwashed almost. Like the way he was talking. Yeah. The tone in his voice, it was very, like, monotone. I, he, it seemed like he was brainwashed. And we don't, they don't follow through with that no. idea. But the way he turned up was very odd. Yeah, I didn't get that sense of him being, like, mentally altered or anything. I just thought it was incredibly sudden with no pretense. Yeah. Because him getting out to the alien territory... Was a big deal. Was a huge ordeal. And the fact that he just warped right back... Like, yeah. It seemed incredibly convenient to me. Yeah. So, like I said, he's got this antenna on his back, and it's from a tracker. Like, he's been he's been tagged mm-hmm. by the researchers at the aquarium so that they can find him. And so, he comes back, and there's this whole thing about how the elders don't trust him because he's got the tracker on his back, and how dare he lead the aliens back to their Which home. And he's like... valid. And he's like, well, you say the aliens don't exist, so why are you worried if I'm leading them back here if they don't exist? And there's that whole thing. And we get reintroduced to Gloria. And the way she's introduced is she's surrounded by a bunch of kids, and she's there with another male, Seymour. He's this big guy. And it turns out that she never mated. Like, she never found someone else to connect with. Yeah. um, Because Mumbles left, I guess. Because so is true love. And then there's a thing where Mumbles and his dad reconnect, which is what it is. So this is like the grease scene for me. Yeah. Where Mumbles comes back and he, he tells them that he communicates with them through dance. They're coming, so we all have to dance. Yeah. To communicate with them. And so everybody, everybody has to change who they are for the sake of Mumbles 
and the humans. I do not like that. Well, here's the thing. You can dance and sing at the same time. It's not yeah, one or the other. Right. Which is an issue for me throughout the entire movie. They don't have to completely alter their way of life just because one penguin dances. Like, I don't... I feel like the main problem in this movie is just blown so far out of proportion. Yeah. Like, it just... And it, it comes out to be useful at the end because... You know, Mumble reconciles with his dad and he gets all the penguins together. And all of a sudden this giant helicopter shows up and these researchers pop out to videotape the penguins. And the penguins all start dancing and whatnot. Um, I... But I don't... It just... The thing that really stopped me and just made me so speechless at the end of this movie is that these researchers videotaping all these penguins dancing sparks off this huge international thing, this international montage of people talking about how they need to stop fishing at the Atlantic, and there are riots, and there are people arguing back and forth with each other. Right. And it's this huge thing, and I'm like, what is this, the opening montage from Mad Max 2? It's like, did the world go to war because of fishing? Like, is everyone all upset? Is Happy Feet a prequel to Mad Max 2? <laughs> Like, are people so upset about not fishing the Antarctic that the world goes to war? Because that's how it felt. I just, I'm disappointed that it took dancing penguins. I'm kind of stuck on the dancing thing. Yeah. Okay. Mumbles got attention because he was dancing. Yeah. And I think that attention is what drove, and we don't know because I completely skipped this part of the story. I think that attention is what got him sent home. Yeah. Because researchers wanted to know where his group was so that they could research them. Right. When they got out of the helicopter and they saw the large, very large group of emperor penguins, they did not already have their video cameras out. They were not expecting to videotape a huge group of dancing penguins. Yeah. They were expecting to find and research a group of empire penguins. And then they started dancing, so they pulled out their video cameras and all of that. Yeah. So so the the emperor penguins did not have to dance. All they had to do was be themselves. That's what the researchers wanted. They wanted to research emperor penguins naturally in their natural habitat. That's why they sent Mumbles back. And I wish that they hadn't danced because the concern that the rest of the world showed for when they realized that there are these large groups of animals using these fishing grounds and us also using these fishing grounds is disturbing that, that should have been enough. But then you throw the dancing thing in there, and it's all of a sudden all motivated by cute dancing penguins. Yep. And it shouldn't be. We should be motivated by other living things and us taking their food away. Well, unfortunately, that's not how it was. No, because that's those, not how it is. It's, if those I mean, penguins that happens hadn't been in real dancing, life, and we don't care. No one would have given any mind to the penguins if they didn't dance. I don't like it. Well, you don't have to like it. It's a kids' movie. Yeah. That's why I don't. <laughs> that's why I'm not bothered. <laughs> That's why I'm not bothered by the fact that I didn't really enjoy the entire movie because the whole it wasn't time, meant for you. every time I got to a point where I just I was bored or it didn't appeal to me, I was like, you know, it's a kids movie. Yeah, you know, kids would be interested right now. Yeah, kids love the 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 amigos and their constant jokes. Yeah, and the uh, they do an awful lot of like sliding on their belly scenes. Yeah, that's their action. Mm-hmm. So, so it's. Pretty much the end of the movie. This film opened at number one in the United States on its first weekend of release. It grossed 
$41.6 million and beat Casino Royale for the top spot. That's that's something. Yeah. It remained number one for the entire Thanksgiving weekend, making $51.6 million over the five-day period. Yeah, because it's a family holiday. Yeah, it was the top grocer for three weeks, beating... Can't take the entire family to see Casino Royale. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, in total, the film was a top grocer for three weeks, a 2006 box office feat matched only by Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. Um Happy Feet was the third highest grossing animated film in the U.S. behind Cars and Ice Age The Meltdown. Yeah. At the time? Just in general. Oh. Since since this article has been upgraded. Oh, okay. Um, I find that surprising. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much good animation out there. Especially as of late. Yeah. Once, so, like, Pixar really got going. And, I mean, there's just so much good animation out there now. Yeah. So, uh, Rotten Tomatoes has this film at a 75% certified fresh score based on 161 reviews, which is an average of about 6.9 out of 10. Yeah. I can agree with that. 75. Yeah. This up proper. So, let's see. David Edelstein of New York Magazine slash Vulture says, uh, You should see Happy Feet not only because it's stupendous, but also because it features the best dancing you'll see on the screen this year. Uh, Whereas Andy Saris from the New York Observer said, I was enchanted, entertained, or even diverted for its 108-minute running time. Not really. It's got people divided, you know? Yeah. Like, when you go down to the audience reviews... Like, one person gives it two stars. They say it's an animated film that, though it tries hard, it is difficult to like or enjoy it. While, you know, the next person gives it three stars and says, Good animation about penguins. Penguins sing to attract their soulmate, but Mumble can't sing, so he tap dances. Famous voices all around. You know, it's it's, it's a kid's movie. Yeah. It's a kid's movie. <laughs> what more can you say than that? So, if there was anything about this movie that stands out as your favorite part, what would it be? Oh, dear. I like I like it when big groups are working together to sing or dance. Like um it, there's a couple parts where they're they're all singing the same song and lots of different parts in the song or they're all dancing together. I really like those parts. Mm-hmm. Including the end where they're dancing for the researchers. I don't like the point that they're making, but I like the dancing. Okay. Because they're all doing it together. I like things done like in unison large groups. So I, I think that was probably my favorite part of the movie. Okay. My favorite part of the movie was definitely the landscapes. If you take the shots of the landscape, they're all white and covered in snow. Color shift that to being brown, and it reminds me of Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. There's one scene in particular where the penguins are trying to cross a windswept plane. And there's just particles of snow, like, pushing them and making it hard for them to walk. That wide establishing shot of the snow oh, blowing up over the ridge and across was, the thing. That was a beautiful shot. That was a Fury Road shot yes. right there. Yes, it Of was. the desolate wasteland with the wind blowing the particles around. Yes. If Contouring you, to the land. Yeah. If you can hear beautiful. wind in the background, we have the window open because it's, it's a beautiful day. If you don't like nature, I can't help you. <laughs> But these na- the nature shots in particular are definitely my favorite part of the movie because George Miller has an eye for shooting breathtaking scenes. Yes. And the people that he gets to craft those for him to capture his vision, like he's very good at it. Yes, I agree. And yeah, you can take the penguins away and just have these gorgeous landscapes and 
handcrafted vistas, and they looked amazing. They were my favorite part, absolutely. All right. Uh, what stood out to you as your least favorite part? Um. Okay, this is, is going to be controversial, and I think probably many of our listeners will disagree with me on this, but I have to say it because I have to be honest. Robin Williams. Okay. When he, like, goes on and on, I get bored. And I was okay with him as Ramon and his on and on-ness, because I thought it played really well with the Amigos, and I thought it was really amusing. What I didn't like, and my least favorite part of this movie, was Lovelace. Um, when he goes on and on, especially when he starts bringing women into it. Like, he, he says he's got this troop of, oh, maybe eight, six or eight penguins who aren't even of the same species, I believe. And he is pretty clear that he is taking them back to his bedroom and he is going to screw them all. Yeah. And yeah, I really, I didn't like that. I didn't like the character of Lovelace when he like got into being Robin Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it. Um, my least favorite part of this movie was uneven pacing. I feel like there was a lot of start and stop and drag. And I can understand you're trying to make a feature length movie based around dancing penguins. You've got to craft a story somehow. I just don't feel like that story was compelling enough to drive it forward. I feel like they they could have done either more with less or just paced it better. Like balance things out so you don't have these intense scenes of kinetic action followed by these slower strips of just things grinding to a halt. And... I, I know people can say something like that about Fury Road, that there are intense scenes of, of movement, movement followed by things that just grind it to a halt, but there's a consistent tension and drive throughout the entirety of Fury Road that is not here in Happy Feet. I agree. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I see what you mean. So, yeah, I think that's that's what really bothered me about this movie. If I'm sitting watching something and... The thought crosses my mind, how long is this movie? Where are we at in the running time? Y yeah. That's yeah. a mark against it in my book. Absolutely. You know? And that's exactly what happened with me and Happy Feet. So, would you recommend someone watch this movie? Yes. Um, I know that I have pointed out flaws and things I don't like about it, but overall, I do like this movie. Um, I, I think I see more of its flaws from this viewing than I had before, but I still like this movie. I still think it's fun. Um, even through the, the grinding to a halt, which I do feel like I did wonder at one point, I did wonder about how much time was left, but overall I still had a good time. Yeah. So I, I would recommend, I mean, it's not, you know, obviously it's not for everybody. No movie is, but yeah, I would recommend it. I don't feel the same way. I honestly, I can't look someone in the face and recommend that they watch Happy Feet. Yeah. It's a no for me. And I think that might stem from the fact that this is a kid's movie. I'm not the target demographic. I think I'm far too critical when it comes to children's entertainment. Like, I will say, with the caveat, if you have kids and you need to plop them down in front of the their television and show them penguins, by all means, Happy Feet away. 
It's on Netflix. You can just call it up. That's what we did. But at the same time, if you are an adult in any sort of way that you can be an adult, Happy Feet's a pass for me. All right. You know, put the kids in front of it. Go in the other room and read a book. <laughs> I think this is the first time that we have disagreed yeah. on a movie. It's okay. <laughs> you know what? I can appreciate the fact that it was so easy to find this movie. It was on Netflix. Boom, there it is. Yeah. We didn't have to fight was, for it. That was a plus. <laughs> so we'll see uh, what we got in store for next week. I'll post it on the main page. and You guys can keep track of it there. In the meantime, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute. Like us on Facebook and join our listener society, Mad Max Minute Beyond microphone. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Hello. I know size can be daunting, but don't be afraid. I love you. I love you!